ever feel like telling this story. Like, I don't know that any day that I'm really gung-ho about like, let's talk about my abortion. But I'm going to just tell my abortion story on today's episode. So, of course, I want to start with like a trigger warning, right? That's where we should start. My incredible producer, Catherine, and I are going to basically walk down a very weird memory lane, but just tell the story of my abortion and kind of the ripple effect that it had on my life. And it's one woman's experience. It's just my experience. Quite frankly, that's all I have. I can't promise that your story will be like mine, but if you see yourself in my story, I would really, you know, love to connect with you. I've already loved connecting with everyone that's reached out since I posted about my abortion a few weeks ago on Instagram. So if you want a more Spark Notes version or you want just a shorter version or you'd rather read it, you can just scroll down on my Instagram. It's there. It's a picture of like Converse and then you'll find the story. So, like, when I was thinking about telling this story today, I mean, thank God I have you, Catherine, because, like, telling the story as a one-man show is difficult. Yeah, I'm here. Because when I was thinking of telling the story, it's like, God, you know, you think, like, you're over something, and then you have to, like, talk about it at length, and you're like, wow, that feels heavy. That feels like kind of like pushing a boulder up a hill. And -hmm. then I was kind of like, you know, that's probably how a lot of my guests feel before we start an interview or before, you know, I start making them unearth their traumas and mistakes Mm -hmm. and shame spirals and times in life they'd probably rather forget it feels heavy to like revisit times in your life but when I think about those moments before therapy where like I'd rather do anything than show up for this like I I mean how much is she going to charge me to cancel those moments are I mean those times like the therapy that happens after that feeling I often have like the biggest breakthroughs or we unearth some trauma that I, you know, didn't realize existed or I just feel like those times where you feel that resistance, but you like feel also compelled at the same time, maybe in some small way to like Mm -hmm. talk. I I feel like you should lean in and not everyone has to share their abortion story on a podcast. But for me, it just feels like if someone can see themselves in my story and feel less alone than one person, then it's worth it, honestly, yeah. for me. Like, I remember listening. I can't even remember the podcast name, honestly, but I listened to a podcast just because I'd read somewhere that they were sharing people's abortion stories. So I clicked a random one and it was just a random girl. Like, she was just, you know, not like a celebrity that was coming out about an abortion or anything. And I just saw... Like, so much of her story was like mine. It was so different from mine. But, like, a lot of the feelings and emotions and stigmatization and all of the, you know, the shame and all of that. But, yeah, I listened to her story and I really felt different. I felt like, okay, wow, I wasn't crazy for feeling so devastated by this. Someone else felt that way. Because, you know, some people don't feel devastated. So, like, if, like I said, if you don't see yourself in my story, like... I hope this is the first of many abortion episodes that we'll have and multiple people can share their stories because we're kind of in a shitty situation right now as far as, you know, politics go, which we won't really get into, but we're kind of under attack, all of us who have ever had an abortion and all of us who will ever need an abortion. Yeah. So this feels like a more important time than ever to tell my story and thank you for doing this with me because 
I'm so glad I don't have to just (laughs) tell the story at length. But yeah, this might be triggering for some people. So I know for me, what's so weird is that I still can't watch abortions on shows. Like Mm. in Euphoria, there was an episode and in some TV shows and in some movies, there will be an abortion scene. And I have a weirdness about it. Like it's still to this day. Is it is it the actual like seeing them in the room or is it even like the feeling of being in the waiting room? Or like I feel like those are the scenes you see so often. Yeah. So when they get in the waiting room and I know it's coming, it's just this heaviness that I kind of feel just like, oh, yeah. God, okay, like how deep are they going to go? Are they going to make the sound? Are they going to – because because I'll get into it. Like I was awake for mine. Yeah. So like so much mm-hmm. of it is very vivid for me. And I had like my mm-hmm. first panic attack right before – so it's mm. super, it's there. You know what I mean? I remember yeah. it. Yeah, it's physical. It's a fit, like a, totally. almost a muscle memory. Totally. But it's weird that I can like tell the story and I still feel it to some extent. It still feels like I said in my Instagram post, it f- still feels like I'm choking like every time I admit I've had one. But it's weird even to me that I have such a weirdness about it. Like I'll try to peek and then I just find myself closing my eyes. Like I just don't like to watch it. It's yeah. weird. So yeah, okay, let's get in let's get into the good stuff. <laughs> I mean, listen, if you can't laugh about some of the worst things for like, fuck's sake, you just die. You have to laugh about it. There were some funny moments throughout this tragic event too. And it, you know yeah. what I mean? I don't know, I have such perspective about it now, but I'm excited to get into it. I can do it. We It'll can be do this. cathartic. Yeah. And uh, so how many years out are you from this experience? It's a great question. I am This was 2015. 2015. Okay. Yeah. So like six years out. Yeah, October of 2015. Yeah, six and a half Oh my years God, out. that's crazy. That's crazy. It feels like more recent than that. Right? Yeah. So have I ever told you this story before? No. No, not in detail. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So basically, so it was 2015. I was a senior in college and Dylan and I were dating and he was out of college and we'd see each other like, we saw each other a lot. I'll be honest. We saw each other a lot, like, between, like, the week, you know, I'd go home all the time, and we were, like, it was, we'd only been dating for, like, a year and a half, so we were very hot and heavy and had to see each mm-hmm. other all the time. I was on birth control, funnily enough, which mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know what you should do with your ovaries and what you should do as far as birth control, but whatever. I'm just telling my story again. This is how it happened yep. for me. So I was on my sugar pills or whatever those pills are that you are supposed to, like, get your period on. Also, the fact that I was, like, 21 years old and like very fertile um and you know the end of that story so uh-huh yeah so we had sex you know blah 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 <laughs> anyway so are you gonna tell us how babies are exactly made? i literally that... was about to get into it you, you, you got it <laughs> so then i remember there was a weekend of like as you know if you listen to this podcast i love being in bed we all know mm-hmm. it i love a nap i you know whatever I'm depressed, goddammit, okay? So, but it was weird. Like, most weekends I was, like, with my friends and, like, you know, lounging around with them, but still, like, doing stuff and, like, not sleeping. Like, there was this one weekend where I just could not keep my eyes open. I wasn't smoking weed. Like, I was just tired. Like, I just couldn't. I was, like, napping for eight hours of the day, just waking up for food. Like, so fucking tired. And I was like, okay, that's weird. So then I got my ass up because I was like, I've been in a daze for three days and it was like Monday and I did Pilates with my friends and I remember it being like harder than anything I've ever done. And I mean, it was hard. I'm not really athletically gifted, (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not athletically inclined, but when we were walking back, it was like walking distance from our apartment where we all lived. I like dropped to my knees, like being so faint. Like I was like, oh my God, mm. like I, my, I'm so lightheaded. And I was like, that's kind of weird. I've never done that before. Whatever, moved on, kept walking. I got back up to my apartment and I sat on the couch and I got up again and I felt really dizzy again. Like, and I usually mm-hmm. feel like I'm, I have low blood pressure. So I like tend to like, when I stand up, I feel dizzy, but this was different. This was like, yeah. whoa, I have to sit down again. Usually it just mm-hmm. takes me a second to like shake my head and then get back to it. But I was like, whoa, okay, I have to like, I have to fully sit down. Yeah. So that was weird. And something in me that I still, I swear to God, I can't explain to you. I don't know what in me made me take a test. And a lot of women will say that, like, you kind of know in some capacity, but that's obviously case by case. But I think there was something in me, and it was random. And the only reason I had a pregnancy test was because my mom kept them in a, like, she had, like, a medicine cabinet growing up that was, like, stocked with, like, everything that teenagers might need and be, like, embarrassed. You know, she was very, like, progressive. So my mom always had pregnancy tests in her toiletry area. So, like, I was like, okay, if I, when I go to college and make my own home, I'm going to have a pregnancy test because yeah. whatever. I always kept one. Yeah. And I never yeah. in a million years thought I would need it in a million, you know, other than to, like, soothe my anxieties about, you know, like, that everyone has every month. <laughs> right. So whatever. I went to my bathroom and I took the test. And my best friend was still with me that I went to Pilates with. Okay. And we were in college, so peeing like sh- there were no ba- you know what I mean. No, so she no. just walks we into all my pee in ro- front of each other. Yeah, she yeah. walks into my bathroom. She's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Because I went in yeah. silence. It's one of those things you can't talk about. Like I didn't want to like consult. I just like got up from the couch and just took the test. It was a yeah. very weird moment. Well, and it's it's interesting that you say like something and you just told you because like fainting or like feeling faint. That's not the first thing you think of when you think of like typical pregnancy symptoms not at all as far as i was concerned i was like protected so right that was weird okay so my best friend follows me into the bathroom and i pee i put it on the on the counter and i walk into my closet and she's like what Mm -hmm. are you doing and i was like i have to take this test and i walk into my closet because like i can't bear like three minutes just like oh my god felt like an an eternity And I was in my closet and she, you know, it's so funny in college, like you, like I said, there are no boundaries. Like you are so enmeshed in each other's lives. Like she's watching the test for me as if it's like, you know, (laughs) you know, something that we took together. You know, it's so, she's watching the test for me. As if she's the father. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Let's take a quick break and we will be right back. So I'm sitting in my closet, like I'm just trying to like distract myself and go through clothes or something. And I'll never forget. It was like straight out of Juno or something. I said to her, if you say it's fucking positive, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, you know what I mean? Only something that a 21 year old would say to their like, I was just like, so obviously terrified. And so Uh she like in the shakiest voice was like, um, Jade. And I just like knew. And I went in there and I was like, okay, wow. And I just I just felt numb. I just felt like, what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. Like the most sober I've ever felt in my life. I just was floored and 
she like walked me to my bed and it, like it was very mm-hmm. it was dramatic but like i it was just i couldn't believe it like i just mm-hmm. my, and and i didn't know where to begin i didn't know what to think about first like who do i tell first do i tell my mom do i tell dylan like i was at this very fragile age between adulthood and childhood so yeah. it was like funny that i had that feeling like do I call my boyfriend or, you know, what's he going to do? He doesn't know a doctor. Like, you know, so I'm going to call my mom. And and, I, and I'm and i sure there were other thoughts, too, about, like, what does this mean for my relationship? Because as, you know, at a year and a half, you're, like, together together. And it's like, well, is this going to destroy us? Like, probably. In most cases, I think it would. Totally. And just your whole reality shifts. You're mm. like, oh, well, I'm not alone in here anymore. That's what it feels like. Like, it truly feels like, uh, okay, party of two, like, inside me now. Like, it feels like, (laughs) that's the only way I can describe it. It feels very reality shifting. Like, all of a sudden, Mm. you're wondering, all your friends are like, okay, let's order sushi tonight. It's your favorite. And I'm sitting there like, well, you're probably not supposed to eat sushi when you're pregnant. But I had no intention of keeping this baby. I had to graduate college the following semester. And I, you know... Probably couldn't have done so, maybe if I were mm-hmm. superwoman, which some women are. But in my world, I couldn't have done that. And I just wasn't ready. Like, I really just wasn't familiar enough with the world myself to bring someone into it. And, you know, there's a lot of things to be said about that that decision. And it's really hard. But I called my mom, you know, immediately. And <laughs> so stupid now, but I remember I was like, "What the fuck do I say?" She's like, "How are you?" You know, she's having a great day, <laughs> and so I was like, "Mom, um, I'm having a Papa Don't Preach moment," which doesn't make any sense because in Papa Don't Preach, she's keeping the baby. But I just—that's the only way I couldn't say—I couldn't say the words. You know, I could—I just couldn't say I'm pregnant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was like laying in my bed, like my all the blood drained out of me. Like I just—I I couldn't say it. So my mom was like, "Well." have you taken another test? And I was like, okay, uh, no, no, I haven't moved since, you know, since I took the last one. And so, you know, luckily a lot of pregnancy boxes or whatever tests come with two. So we took Mm -hmm. another, that one was positive. I still have the pictures of them. How weird is that? Like I still have the pictures of the pregnancy. I have pictures of everything from that time. I don't know what, what compelled me, but so if you did that too, you're not weird. So I took the next test and my mom was like, well, can you go to the nearest hospital and like have them check you out? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would like tell my daughter to do that in the future, but I understand why she did. It's more like definitive and like those tests yeah. could have been old and I don't know. I think she just wanted something. Also, what the fuck else was I supposed to do? You know, like yeah. I, I watch a movie, you know, I, I was like, okay, yeah, that felt actionable. That felt like, okay, mm-hmm. I could have some control in some way like okay if i just go to the doctor maybe they'll tell me i'm not you know so i went in my um budweiser sweatpants uh to miami southern baptist hospital and i went in there my best friend was in like a disheveled ensemble as well and we're like um i think i'm pregnant like it was just an insane insane experience going to that but can i tell you the fucking craziest thing ever Whatever they tell me, I'm pregnant. I go into. I was. We we were there all day. We were there for mm. eight hours. Like they, because I went to urgent care, so like there were people bleeding that like went for you know what I mean or like yeah. So there were people that had priority over like a girl that needed a pregnancy test and whatever. Yeah. I feel like they could have had you pee on a stick while someone was totally while they were helping someone. Well, who they was gave bleeding. me an ultrasound. 
They oh, gave, shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. They gave me an ultrasound and took my blood. And the doctor was like, well, you're pregnant. My best friend's sitting there with me. It was like the funny. It, I wish someone had filmed. I mean, I don't, obviously. But it was right. so, it's so comical. Like, looking back, me and my best friend looking there, like, dumb and dumber, sitting there like, he's like, yeah, you're pregnant. And I'm like, okay. And he tells me, like, how far along I was and just, like, a few weeks. And he said, so the thing is, you... Honestly, I'm going to butcher this, and it's something that I'll clarify when I get a, a solid answer, but I have to get a certain shot because Dylan, like, whatever the blood type of the fetus, like, didn't play well in the sandbox with, like, my blood type. So it's a Rogam shot, and it's basically a shot that they give you when they find out you're pregnant and you have a negative blood type and your baby or the fetus has a positive blood type. So if you didn't get this shot, your body would develop RH antibodies because your body would think that the fetus was a disease or something foreign that it needed to attack and protect you from, essentially. So I was like, fuck, okay, like, what do I say? Like, do I need this shot? Like, I've never heard of someone getting a shot, like, when they find out they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like, this is really, where's my mom? You know, I'm panicking. Yeah. And I just want to get out of there. I just want to go home. Like, I want to just take the first flight out and go to LA. Like, I just need to leave and do something about this. Like, I Mm -hmm. I just couldn't sit there being pregnant and, like, living my life doing anything normally so i almost left but i the nurses came in and they were like oh we're gonna move you to this other room and i i when we got to that room i was like hey guys like how do i put this gently no i was just like i i don't really intend on keeping this baby so do i really need i said is the shot meant to protect me or to protect the baby like, will I yeah, get sick if I really don't? a question. But I was like, I don't really know what you're supposed to no, do. No, but you, I mean, you were logically weighing your options. And frankly, like, to be in that position and being told by an authority figure, this is what you need, it's actually really impressive that you were able to, like, ask that question. Yeah, and I was just like, is it going to make it harder? In some capacity, I probably was saying, is it going to make it harder for me to get an abortion? Am I going to die if I don't get this? You know, right. like, is this, like, going to yeah. hurt me? So I told those two nurses, I was like, I don't fully intend on keeping this baby. And it was an insane thing to say, but like the look on their faces, it was just like I told them Santa wasn't real. You know, it was was like they could not believe that I just said it out loud. I mean, I couldn't believe that I said it out loud. And they were like, well, uh, the doctor told us to give you this shot, but like we can write down that you refused it. And, like, to yeah. a 21-year-old, that sounds very, like, who's, like, naturally like afraid of authority. Bad. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, oh, God. Well, like, anything a doctor's, I've been the most overdoctored person. I grew up in L.A. Hello. Yeah. I do whatever a doctor tells me. I'm the biggest hypochondriac ever. So I got the shot, and I went on my merry way. We just, like, kind of left the hospital and probably went to McDonald's, and I went on the next flight out to L.A., But what's so crazy about that story is, you know, obviously it was so traumatic to make a decision and like the first time I tried to use my voice being met with such judgment and shock and horror almost like made me just like compounded the shame that I was already feeling. I just felt like I can't believe I let this happen. And instantly, even when I called, oh, by the way, I called my boyfriend right after I called my mom. And he was, you know, obviously, like, he was 23 years old. He's like, what'd your mom say? You know, he was (laughs) the best during the whole situation. Like, honestly, I knew after I met him, but, like, I was like, okay, we can do the hard shit together because he was unbelievable. But what's interesting about the hospital story is that recently 
I was like going over my credit score and there was a ding on my credit score. I don't really know the financial terms of it, (laughs) but I was like, that's weird. What is it? You know, I was like, that seems really weird. No one's ever like told me I have an outstanding balance or, you know, whatever. So I think all my I's are dotted and my T's are crossed, but my business manager was going to look into it for me and get back to me. So this was like a year ago. And I was like, what the fuck is that? We're both like going back and forth being like, what could that be? And she called me. Honestly, it was probably two weeks before I posted on Instagram about it because I was really feeling like, you know, like that it had been enough time that I was feeling like whole again. Like I was feeling like more on top of the situation. Anyway, it was just great timing, honestly. It was Mm -hmm. kind of magical timing. But she called me and she was like, Jade, such great news. We found out what that ding was. And not only that, we found out how much the fee is. And she was like, did you go to Miami Southern Baptist Hospital in 2015? Because you have an outstanding balance of $858. Don't worry, I'll never forget that number. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God. And, like, I'm the queen of oversharing. So, of course, I told my business manager I had an abortion. I was like, because I I know that I left in a tizzy. Like, there was no Mm. part of it. And also, I had never been to a doctor that didn't have my insurance. Like, my mom hadn't called and gave me my insurance, you know? So I was like, I just left. And I was like, I mean, I'm not staying. I'm bouncing. Like, I need to get on the first flight out of here. But it was just a really crazy moment that I couldn't believe. And it was really poetic that it happened that way. We paid that off and my credit score went back to normal. And it was just this kind of resolution that I didn't know I needed. And it was a nice moment being like, this has haunted me for so long, even down to like Mm -hmm. a financial way. Yeah. You know, that it felt so nice to be like free from it. Mm -hmm. So that's Jade's little credit score. Happy story. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so I flew back to LA And my mom took me to the gynecologist that had actually birthed me, which is funny. I was like, I haven't seen you in 21 years, but here I am pregnant. And just from the jump, it was whispers and hushed tones Uh and shame inducing, Mm -hmm. you know, every aspect of it, every conversation, um, nothing was like, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. Everything was, I felt so burdensome. I felt Mm -hmm. like oh my God, like my mom and my sister and my boyfriend who came with me to every appointment all have to be there for it. And by the way, like a lot of people just like get a pill from their doctor, go by themselves and leave. Like my, this is just my experience. I went with them and he was like, well, you're too early, which like, by the way, if someone tells you that, get a second opinion because like what I went through might not have been necessary. Mm. Um, and he was like, you have to wait at least like a week and a half. We'll measure the embryo every time you come in to see like when you're at the point where you, we can do this. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck. Okay. I have to go home. Jeez. All my friends are at school. I like. You're missing school. I'm missing school. I'm beside myself. I don't know what to do. Like I felt so not myself. Like yeah. I didn't know how to leave the house and have a normal conversation with anyone. I couldn't think of anything else. And I had to wait for like a week. And it was probably 10, maybe 12 days total. And I was having like all those early symptoms of pregnancy, you know, just like nauseous and my boobs hurt like crazy. And I was just like t- fucking tired all the time. And it felt so weird because I also felt like connected to something that I had Mm. never felt connected to before. Like Mm -hmm. that there was someone, like I said, someone in there with me that like 
suddenly that my world had this new sun in it. It felt mm. like it felt like there was just something that I couldn't avoid and I felt like a bond, you know, in a weird way. I just felt pregnant. I don't know. It's weird. And I also like I feel things. That's me. I yeah. just yeah. I blame it on whatever, but I just do. So that week and a half or whatever it was was torturous. It might have been two weeks, but anyway, he finally told me, okay, we can do it. So during that last appointment, my mom asked the doctor, she was like, can Jade be put under? Because I don't think my mom would mind me saying this. My mom had an abortion when she was younger and she was put under Mm. like a lot of women are. And my doctor was like, no, I don't want an anesthesiologist. If if we have an anesthesiologist, we have to do this in a surgical center or in a hospital. And I don't want people knowing that I'm doing this operation. So we're going to do it in my office. And I can't have, I, I guess some people can have anesthesiologists come to their office. He just was like, no. And at that point, I was so young. And I think all of us, like I think as women, we just feel sometimes... It doesn't matter if he was a man, but we just felt like we were asking him to do something he didn't want to do. And he was like our only option, you know, because we felt like, oh, my God, this must be so shameful to ask someone to do because that that was the tone, you know. So I felt so there was no chance I was going to argue that or say, like, I need that or I. You've never been through it before. No. And I felt so guilty. I just felt like, (sighs) fuck, this is my fault, you know, and everyone told me otherwise. And. But I didn't listen. I couldn't. Mm. I I didn't penetrate. It just Mm -hmm. never. I felt so badly. And I felt like the doctor was ashamed that he was even doing it for me. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to get too graphic with the details about the actual surgery because it's like nauseating. But basically, he gave me like this pill that was like supposed to make my uterus like start contracting or I don't know, some weird thing. So I took the pill, went home, came back a few hours later And I was awake and he gave me like a small dose of Valium and Mm. I didn't feel it at all. I was like so, my heart was pounding. Like you just look at the stirrups and you look at the machine and you're just shook and you don't, you you know, someone's like going up into a very, like, you know, one likes to get even like a pap smear, you know? So I was just like, fuck, okay. And I just remember looking at the stirrups and saying, can we get a nurse in here? Like, I think I'm going to faint. And it was me, my mom... My sister and Dylan still in the room. It was like I was giving birth. But like, so my sister and Dylan were like, okay, we're going to like go into the waiting room because there are too many people in here. And I was so hot. I was like, I broke into a crazy sweat. Like I'd never had a panic attack before in my life. And it was like my first panic attack. So, I mean, even with the Valium, like it didn't matter that Valium didn't do fucking anything for me. I just was like, my nervous system was through. Yeah. So then I, you know, I, whatever, I calmed down. Maybe the volume did help a little bit. I calmed down and I sat in the stirrups and I said to the doctor, where does it go? Hmm. And he said, it goes into that machine. And it's so weird to admit now, but I felt protective is, I guess, the only yeah. word I can really think of. I felt like, what the fuck? Like, should I... Should I ask, like, if I can, you know, like, you just, it's, you know, maybe the size of a poppy seed. I don't really know. I haven't really looked into what size it was. But you just feel like it meant so much more to me than just something that should be hazard. I remember the machine said hazardous waste. Huh. And I was like, fuck. Okay. You know, you have to, like, take the emotional side out of it. You, like, and I, I was like, and I can take the emotional side out of nothing. You know, so I run on emotions. So 
it was so hard for me to detach and be like, this could have been a person. Now it's going to be, I was like, you know, it was all overdrive. Mm. And I just went on fire and then it was over, you know, and I remember the sound and I remember all of it. And unfortunately, then it was over and I went home and I remember feeling lonely. Mm. I was nothing but taken care of. I had everyone that couldn't have been more incredible and but I was so lonely and I felt violated in a weird way, mm-hmm. I think, because I had I'd never had something like I'd never been so scared of a vaginal something having having to do with my you right. know what I mean? Like it was right. just it felt like doing something I didn't want to do, you know, yeah. but I had to and, you know, wanted to in some yeah. in some capacity. And I felt just like, fuck, whoa, I have seen something that my friends have not seen. I was like, I Mm. have a new sense of reality that I have never, I mean, how do I just talk to them about getting our nails done ever again? You know, I never thought that I'd be able to unsee it. I never, and it's so funny because some people don't, I mean, I don't know if funny is the right word, but so many people don't have that kind of experience. So many Mm -hmm. people are like, don't have the emotional attachment, don't feel weird or like, you know, take the pill and have the abortion at home and have a different experience. But for me, it was so heavy. And I was so in love with Dylan also. I mean, I am, but you know, like, yeah. it just felt like, oh, okay. Like that, that's a weird feeling that was hard for me to reconcile because I wanted, and I was like, there were, there was no two ways about it. I had to have, you know, I couldn't look my dad, you know, I wasn't going to walk down the graduation aisle or whatever it was yeah. you know, pregnant. But at the same time, I was so conflicted because you just feel like you have to play God and you're like, fuck, why me? You know, mm-hmm. like and even like throughout those two weeks, like he kept being like, nope, no miscarriage. Like she everyone was hoping for a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And like there was something in me that was like not hoping for a miscarriage, mm-hmm. you know, like there was that shift from the moment in the hospital to like then when I finally started getting ultrasounds. It was just, it was too real. You know, it was way too real. Anyway, so what's really weird about that is, I'll get into like the aftermath, but what's crazy is, and kind of gross, is that doctor I had to bring cash to a couple, like before I left for school again. I had like a couple weeks of like downtime and missing school. And then when I, before I went back, I had to bring cash over in an envelope Ugh. to like his big fancy house. And oh um, God. it just felt so like, what the fuck? Like, I, we have the best doctors ever in LA. Like, I feel like I have nothing but access. My mom, it's not like I did it in, like, without my parent or, right. but I think there's just also this inherited shame that she probably felt and she couldn't have been more incredible to go through it with, but we just didn't know. There wasn't a blueprint for this. No. There wasn't a manual. So no. we didn't know how to do it. But I just felt like, oh my God, I have just asked my doctor to do the most, like, shameful thing. And, fuck me. You know, I just yeah. was like, and and then what was so crazy is like, not, okay, that was enough, you know, feeling that shitty was enough. But then because basically when you're pregnant, your uterus and hormones and everything, you go from like the garden of Eden with like nothing but like nourish, you know what I mean? You're trying to yeah. make a baby. So like you're all those you're, hormones, all those all juicy those hormones. Yes. Yes. And then basically when you have an abortion, they I don't want to say that this is like kind of grotesque, but they get everything out of there. That's the, the nicest lining, thing I can see. Yeah. All the, yes, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. So you go from like the Garden of Eden to like even lower than you would be on a normal sure. basis. You yeah. know, you are just like, it's Empty. a desert in there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
my nervous system went bananas. I mean, on one hand, it's kind of nice because maybe I'll have like, maybe that's an indication that I might struggle with postpartum after I have birth or when I'm pregnant. And that's something that, you know, I can put parameters into place. So I, you know, make sure I'm okay. But I'm just trying to find this silver lining, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I started having panic attacks every single day. When did they start? Like how soon afterward? Uh, I ran like on a permanent panic attack for mm. a little while. Like not like, a, like just like a, you know, just mm-hmm. like very shallow breathing probably for like two weeks. But then like it was so crazy. Like the heart pounding, the immediate drenched from like head to toe. Mm. Like that probably started like two and a half weeks later. I'll never forget. It actually happened for the first time at Dylan's brother's rehearsal dinner. Oh, jeez. So you're like trying to do normal life stuff mm-hmm. and like – Mm-hmm. And I just, I just got boom, like soaking wet. Like my appetite went away. My mouth got dry. And this is the extent to which it was just horrific. It was like at a restaurant, and I yeah. laid on the public bathroom floor, like oh just my God. like I, I, cause I, it felt cool, and I like couldn't breathe, and I thought I was having a heart attack. Oh my god! So I thought I must be having like food poisoning or something. It was such a weird feeling. So I didn't tell anybody. And I just was laying there on this disgusting public restroom floor by myself for like 20 minutes. And I was obviously like so embarrassed that it was happening at this important family event. So I just didn't want to trouble anyone. So I just laid there and it was one of many that followed. So that was weird. But I just, I lost control of my body. I started having the worst panic attacks in the world. And I was just so afraid that I would have a panic attack if I did anything. Like, I was like, okay, what if I have one on the plane? What if I have one? Yeah. They were so debilitating and so intense that it almost like wasn't even, it wasn't rooted in anxiety even. It was Mm. like a physical response. Like, it was just, it was, it felt purely physical almost. Like, it was like, whoa, I've lost control of the ship. Like, I am just, it was so exhausting and so scary because I'd never had I probably did struggle with mental illness before but it was it was news to me you know but it was just it it was lit on fire you know well and you know I think we have this false concept of our emotions and our physical body being separate it's all interconnected it's all and your emotions can affect your body in a physical way and your physical body can affect your emotions and People forget that it's like it's a physical thing. It's a physical change. Totally. And my body, you know, it's so funny is I forgot this part of the story. But honestly, it must have been like five days after my abortion. I all my friends were going to Vegas for like a spring break, something or other. And I like couldn't miss it. And so I was like dragged my ass there. Like my eyes like in pictures are like so bloodshot. But my body looks different. Like my body had started to like move around and like. I don't know. It was. It's just. It's just crazy because like my priorities at that age were like get to the pool party and I'm like now I'd (laughs) so much rather die. But then it was important to me. So anyway, I went back to school. I was like, you know, my friends are so fucking incredible. I have the best friends from college, and Dylan was so incredible. Everyone like let me fully melt into them and like need them and. I tend to be sort of an island, like, when I'm dealing with things. But, like, I feel like in that that moment, they were all really understanding about, mm. like, me feeling different. Like, something had shifted in me. But the panic attacks were definitely, like, made me, like, a prisoner. I'd never – when my friends told me they had panic attacks in the past, I was like, relax. You know what I mean? I was like, why don't you just, like, stop <laughs> thinking about it? Like, I really didn't understand that it was – Calm could down. Be a, truly. I didn't yeah. understand that it could be this physical. I didn't mm-hmm. understand that it could – 
happen out of me not thinking of something stressful at all. Like, right. it just was happening nonstop. Like, I don't know what it was, but I just couldn't get a hold of it. So I did, like, a combination of, like, I had Xanax for panic attacks, but I was having them all the time. So it wasn't right. really, like, helpful. And I had, like, estrogen gel, like, that yeah. I would put, like, on my underarms and stuff that did, mm-hmm. like, help me, like, kind of feel like, okay, whoa, I can... I have my footing again. I don't know how... I'm such a placebo freak. You guys, like, yeah. <laughs> that is the truth. Yeah. I'm so... The placebo effect runs deep in my DNA. So I don't know what that... You know how much of it was placebo and real. But I started to, you know, be able to at least pretend like my life was better. Like, before I mm-hmm. couldn't. So, you know, from then on, I kind of tried to outrun it. And I, you know, did everything to avoid talking about it. I was ashamed. I wanted to pretend like it didn't affect me because I saw no representation of anyone that had ever been Mm -hmm. affected in the way that I was. You know, I felt like I'd almost like had a disproportionate reaction to the situation is like how I felt. I was like, why do I feel this more than other people? Why do I look at the ultrasound pictures? Why? Like I wrote a letter to the soul or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I felt like I I felt so incomplete, you Mm. know, I felt like I missed it, you know, and I didn't know it, but it felt like I did in a weird way. Yeah. And it was so profound and something that I was, I mean, I get some people have abortions at younger ages. It was just like overwhelming for me. It Mm. felt so sobering and so like I couldn't unsee it and I couldn't get it out of my head. And I lived like that probably for four years, five Mm. years. Yeah. Like just really trying to, I was forced to confront it. My life started falling apart for like the following couple of years. And I was just so painfully depressed and I couldn't get out of bed. And, but at the same time on the surface, I was like succeeding at work, but I wasn't like, I, I just, my relationship suffered. Like I couldn't be a friend or a sister or a anything to anyone. I didn't have any energy in me. And I don't think like that's necessarily like if you have to have an abortion, like that's not doesn't have to be in the cards. You know, that doesn't have to be the way it goes. Yeah. You know, I think that's important. And it's important for me to remember, too, because even now when I have those scares, because everyone does, if that had to happen again, I know better. There's more resources out there. There are more stories out there of people saying like, these are your options. These are the ways in which, like, that is one way in which the, all that everything that's happening politically, like, that's the only silver lining, honestly, is that, yeah. like, it's making people come out of the shadows a little bit and, like, making people share their experience so that people know what their options are so they can advocate for themselves and, you know, make it a little easier than it is. Yeah. It's not, it's the hardest fucking thing in the world and it doesn't need to be made harder. Um, quite frankly. Right. But um, I think it's important for everyone to know that, like, you know, looking back or, you know, if I dealt with this moving forward, there are really incredible doctors out there. There are, like, trauma gynecologists and Mm. um, people that if you've had an abortion and you have some trauma, like, and you're like, I don't want to go back to the gynecologist, there are people that'll make it easier on you. Mm. Or there are Mm -hmm. people that, you know, you can shop around and don't feel like you are imposing that you have a right. This is your medical, human, whatever you want to call it, right. And I'm not going to stand. I mean, I don't need to sit here and 
speak from my soapbox, but it's just kind of the stuff that I wish I'd known when I was going through it. It's like, it's not your fault. Like, it fucking sucks. You have to play God and break your own heart. Mm. And, um, and, it, and it's painful the whole way. And it feels like, it feels like you did something wrong and right, you know? And that's a weird feeling to reconcile. Um, and it takes time, you know, it can take time to get over it. So I think, um, and I hope that if I were to ever go through this again, I hope I would have grace for myself when I felt like I should have been over it by now, or I should, you know, I, it was only a, you know, X many weeks old and I shouldn't feel the way I felt, but, um, it gets better. I know that's like what people say all the time and people are like, oh, fuck you, but it really does. And I, um, I just hope that I think, I really think that, the, you know, sometimes I, this part is kind of weird for me to share, but I do think about the soul and a lot of people actually resonate, this resonated with a lot of people that read my Instagram post, but, um, I think that I'll feel united with it again someday mm-hmm. and, Um, I think that was a big fear of mine was that in some way I'd missed a chance to meet someone that I would have loved so much and that I robbed myself of that. Yeah. Like, do I wish I had a seven year old right now? No way. (laughs) Fucking hell. You know, and that's where the and comes in. There's room for both. You know, you can feel like, fuck, that hurt so badly. And like, why would I have to do that? And goddamn you, uterus and universe and whatever. Mm -hmm. But then you can also feel like you sacrificed yourself almost for like the for a life for hope for a for a life that you maybe couldn't live with you just it's it's such a hard decision but there's some pride in the bravery that it takes to do mm. that and it took me a long time to find that pride and it's a weird pride it's not something that I'm necessarily trying to you know, hang on my wall, but you're not alone, you know, and I don't really know how to end this, but I just hope that you see yourself in my story and, um, and seriously, I'm always around like to talk about it. And like I said earlier, a hundred people can tell me that they've been through it, mm-hmm. but that hundred and first person, like it doesn't get old. That hundred and first person makes me feel just as validated and, seen and less alone as like the first person did that feeling never gets old so you know i think the people that have been through this we have a really incredible opportunity to make it a little easier for the people that come after us so whether that's just like a little sister in your town that you know who's going through it and that you can help out or if it's you know a bunch of people on a podcast Mm-hmm. If you can share your story, if you're at that point, and if you can make it a little easier on someone, um, it feels really good. So thank you, guys. Thank you, Catherine. You're the greatest. You're the yeah. only person I would want to do this with. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing this with us. That was really, really powerful. Thank you. And yeah. th- that's that's all she wrote. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>